I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Today's interview is with TJ Grant. He's a um, program manager up at uh, World Vision. We met up at the headquarters. Really interesting guy. He's, he's got a uh, background in development. He's uh, traveled all over the world with his wife and his kids. He's worked in Zimbabwe, uh, Taiwan, uh, out west with street youth. So he's a development guy. So he's got lots to talk about uh, with respect to, to you know things like unexpected outcomes. He's got causal logic and, and, and making a difference in the world. And we talk largely about that whole notion, how to make a difference in the world. How are we all already making a difference in the world. Super nice guy. You're going to like him a lot and uh, worth worth listening to this podcast for a whole lot of reasons. So, and, and especially if you're a student, if you're thinking about maybe getting into, well, who, student, never mind, if you're 52 and you're thinking about getting into this kind of work, into development work, into social change of any kind, you got to listen to this interview with TJ Grant and you're going to enjoy it. Check out, we also talk about a couple other interviews. Uh, check out davidpecklive.com, uh, my website, a new website coming live soon. Uh, but check it out for other uh, future, uh, future podcasts, but also some stuff uh, in the past. We've probably got about 125 now posted online. We'll see you real soon. TJ Grant at uh, World Vision. So welcome to Face to Face. We are sitting in boardroom 3B slash CE or something like that here at World Vision Canada, the headquarters with TJ Grant. He's the regional program manager for Southern Africa. TJ, thanks for joining us. David, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for uh, having me on your show. Yeah, I really, really appreciate your time. And and um, so, TJ and I met at a uh, conference at Humber College this past. We probably passed uh, passed cross. Whoa, uh, that's interesting. Cross paths uh, over the last few years at different events, but got to know each other at the Beyond GDP event at Humber College that So Change was involved in. And uh, in fact, I've got a podcast with the former. Prime Minister of Bhutan, Jigme Tinley. Uh, that's been posted uh, a few months ago, so do do check that out. But TJ and I met there, and we just kind of, yeah, we hit it off, and I think we've had lunch a couple times since. And so so I asked him to come on as Regional Program Manager for Southern Africa in World Vision to talk about uh, kind of his story, mm. his life, and and and, uh, and and without the recorder on, we talked, you know, briefly, and as my listeners know, how... A question that interests me a great deal, not just philosophically, but you know, tangibly on the ground. And, and I'm going to start here, TJ. How do you know you or me or we, uh, you know, make a difference? You got Free the Children, you got Me to We, you got World Vision and UNICEF, and you know, it's just where do you plug in? You've worked all over the world. You work for one of the biggest organizations. You know, how do you make a difference? Yeah, big question, right? Big question to get us Huge. started with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. thanks yeah. for that softball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, First class thought grenade. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, David, I think, you know, it is a big question. Um, how do you make a difference? And I think, you know, in some ways, for me, um, I think it's, it's one of those overriding questions of my life. It really is. It's one of those things that I think I do carry with me uh, when I think about what do I want to do with my life? 
Uh, how do I uh, live a fulfilling and meaningful life? And you know, what's driven me, I think, to this stage of my career, and probably I hope will for the rest of it, is asking and trying to answer that question: How you know do I make a difference? Um, in fact, you know, uh, maybe a good place to start is at the beginning, sort of, of this journey for me with that very question. How, how long have you worked in development? Yeah, so I've worked in development and social work, I would say, for 10 to 12 so, years. Yeah, so you got lots of stories, you've got lots yeah. of experience, and I know I want to, I know we're going to talk about Zimbabwe sure. and yeah. some craziness there for you, and, yeah. and yeah. life changes climbing Mount Kilimanjaro with Rick Campanelli. By the way, also a podcast on uh, Face to Face. That's good. Um, I got to think of some names to drop myself. That's right. Here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, we traveled to Cambodia together, Rick and I. Yeah, great, great guy. Uh, Rick is an awesome. Isn't he guy. unbelievable? He's he crazy. Is. Yeah, crazy cool guy. And uh, always looking. I sent him a picture from I was sitting on Pub Street in Siem Reap. Okay. I took a quick photo, crummy photo, with my phone, and I sent it to him. And I said, "Wishing you were here." Nice. Uh, anyway, nice. so so yeah. I mean, I know we're going to talk about all that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Started. Started. Yeah. Sort of the beginning of the journey. Sure. Well, you know, I, this is going back then before my time with World Vision. You know, I, my brief history, like growing up, is, you know, I, uh, I was a basketball player and just trying to figure out what to do and uh, going to university and to play basketball, essentially, and uh, tore my ACL, wrecked my knee, and, and, and then really wasn't sure, um, you know, what to do with myself. It turned out to be one of the better things to ever happen to me because it really pushed me in other directions. Um, and that summer I went and worked on a sailboat in Spain and hmm. taught English at a summer camp in Taiwan. This is, hmm. you know, 15, wow. 15, 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, from those experiences, just had a love of travel and adventure that just got sparked and, and certainly has just continued to grow over the years. And so after finishing university, finding faith again for myself, and that's a whole other story, but, uh, I got married and my wife and I moved to Taiwan. And we were in Taiwan to uh, teach English and really just explore and adventure together, you know, pay off student loans and get mm, started cool. with things. Yeah. And I think I'll, I think I mean I think there's a, a certain demographic that does that. Yeah. Right? There, kind it, of, it, maybe a step above the backpacker demographic, we, is it? We we had yeah. this it's this is really crude, but we had this sort of funny characterization or categorization of different uh, uh, sort of foreigners or expats that were teaching English yeah. in Taiwan and there was some that yeah like adventure fun explore yeah. maybe pay off student yeah. loans yeah. some who sort of found themselves there yeah, which totally. was cool totally. you know and yeah. marry yeah. a local and that's right yeah. live their careers yeah. there and, yeah. and then others who uh, you probably you know you might have a beer with or something but yeah. you wouldn't want to well, spend yeah. a lot of time with because well, they're I, up to no good I've, you know yeah exactly uh, I've also I uh, think uh, I would add a category to that of people like you said maybe that you know trying to find themselves yeah so coming out of a broken relationship sure. or yeah. some kind of death in the family or, or you know some sort of existential crisis yeah I'm gonna go to Thailand and work in a orphanage in Chiang Mai right yeah, right and find myself and I, I'm not convinced that's a good route to go for anybody's sake but I think that there are a lot of those stories that do end well uh, yeah um, but but and then of course TJ you've got Australians that's like a whole <laughs> other category altogether let's poor yeah. Australia yeah. recently lost the rugby world cup so I oh, is that right? to New Zealand yeah so I won't pile, I won't pile on them right now but I, that was just I, on the weekend and right. having traveled a bit I do know the New Zealand Australia thing and yeah. boy oh boy if you're sitting in a meeting around a boardroom table like this don't introduce somebody from Australia from New Zealand by mistake or vice versa or vice versa I think more, yeah it's like the Canada US thing yeah, I think but you guys have the them. same accent oh yeah not <laughs> the right thing to say yeah. but uh, so I, I would have placed myself yeah. going back in yeah. that first category you Good. know trying yeah. to just explore pay off some loans and yeah. just adventure yeah. <clears throat> so newly married new country just, just starting things out and a couple months true story a couple months in you know we just had this thought, like, oh, maybe we could contribute or um, do something to help out here. How do I make a difference, right? Coming back to that question. And this is in Taiwan. This is in Taiwan. And, you know, I was sort of newly, newly in my Christian faith and stuff. And, and so I prayed that night, David. I prayed. I said, God, you know what? If you want to open a door for us to do something here, I'll walk through it, you know? So the next day, we're tutoring English at this doctor's house, and they had a Filipino maid who spoke English really well who we hadn't met before. So we got to talking to her, and she <laughs> gave us a phone number 
uh, of this couple who had moved to Taiwan, you know, 30 years before from the States. So she said, you should call these people. So we called them, and that weekend we went out to visit them. And these were like the most Mother Teresa people I've ever met in my life. They'd opened this orphanage, uh, you know, with no money, no resources. And 30 years on, um, we're doing some amazing things, really, with, uh, you know, about 80 to 90 uh, kids who had been abandoned or in, in really tough situations. And then eight to nine to ten babies at a time who they would try and get uh, parents for to adopt them. And so this couple, Ted and Beth Skiles, we would then go and help out at this orphanage every Thursday. That was our thing. We would go on the Thursday evenings and they would actually for once get a, get a break and go have a date right. into town nice. and we would take care of these babies for I don't know, three or four hours. And it was funny, David, over the two years we were in Taiwan, when I first started doing it, um, you know, I sort of felt good about myself. Like, oh, good for me, I'm helping it, right. you know? Right. And then... <laughs> Which is a real problem with the whole yeah, sort of sure. field, isn't it? Yeah, in a way. patting yourself on the in back, you know? Sure, not a bad starting point, No, maybe, but if you end there... Yeah, yeah. it's a bit of a problem. Yeah. It can be. Yeah. And so over time, though, it was funny. Thankfully, it didn't happen for me. I. I started to have this shift in me where all of a sudden, you know, from helping out and feeling good about myself or doing this little thing, it went over two years' time to becoming the most important part of my week, mm. this four hours at this orphanage. And I remember thinking to myself, like, why have these four hours taking care of these babies who will never remember me, never know my name, never know I did anything for them? It's a great, why has that become the most great story. important thing in my life right now. And what I love, you yeah, know, just yeah. to, to, to use maybe as a launching point later, but what I love about that is what you said, who, who will never remember me, who in a sense won't even have met me. That's right. It, 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 really, yeah. right? No, no recollection. And yet you've played a role forming what they're going to go on to do, what they're, who they're going to go on to be, right? right? I mean, that's pretty, I'm getting a bit of a, some goosebumps and a bit of a shiver. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, that's pretty profound because we always say, like, I mean, just, you know, we could, we could just talk about this now, it seems yeah. to me. Yeah. Like planting seeds, right? Yeah. The early that's seeds. That's the same metaphor that came to my mind. Totally. I yeah. mean, it's just, it's so great and it, and it's just, and it's really interesting that you noted it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny, like looking back 10, 15 years into this work and, having my share of uh, experiences and uh, moments with that, um, I feel the same way. It's, it's funny though, because at the time, I didn't really understand it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I think there sense. was a shift that was happening in me. Yep. And there was also this trying to make sense of uh, this shifting world in myself where, look, frankly, your opening question, how do I make a difference in the world? Uh, probably for the first 20 years of my life, that wasn't my driving motivation. You know, I, I wasn't a bad guy, but I, I just wanted to have a good life, have fun. Play basketball. Play basketball, you know, do climb, something climb interesting for myself. Well, that happens later on. on. That's so. on your, that was on your bucket list. <laughs> Come on, admit it. Not at that time, but, you know, it was, uh, that was an unexpected opportunity, yeah. that yeah. one. Yeah. So, you know, it was one of those ones where um, I think there was a shift taking place in me to realize that this is maybe what my life is more meant to mm -hmm. be about, mm -hmm. making a difference. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. I can maybe reference that story again later, David, because I think at the time I reasoned what was happening in those interactions, and what I later realized was something different was going on. So what I thought was happening, my new Christian faith is mm -hmm. like, you know, maybe... Raised raise Catholic. Raised Catholic, left the church because yeah. I didn't believe it. Yeah. Uh, you know, not dissing Catholics or anything like that. It yeah. was just, for me, it was a yeah. cultural practice. And so my mom actually brought the priest over to our house, which uh, it's kind of funny when I tell the story now, but at the time was not funny at all. Yeah. And so I did a minor in religious studies, actually, wow. in my okay. undergrad. Yeah, I was, I was like, I'm, I believe I had these spiritual experiences, so I believe there's truth in spiritual things, but I was going to find it wherever it was, wherever, wherever. it led. Right. Yeah, so studied all sorts of different religions. and interesting experiences but you know at this time I'd sort of come back to a Christian faith and so I reasoned you know maybe I'm sharing love with this little baby or maybe I'm sharing the love of Jesus with this little one right. and that's what's happening right. Right. and in some senses I think that was true but that was only half of what was taking place if that in those moments and experiences you know the other half I mean is 
and this is what I realized 10, 15 years on doing this work, is what was actually happening, David, was this baby was sharing the love of Jesus with me. Mm. You know, there's interactions with this little one as I was having a chance to experience, I think, what real life and so, depth and meaning so, is really about. So what you're saying is at the risk of, uh, well, I'm maybe putting words in your mouth here, but you recognize Jesus in this little baby. In hindsight, yeah. I did. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, the only way to really understand anything is in hindsight, it seems to yeah. me. You know, you're, throw, you're thrown into the middle of something, you're, you're busy, you're ticking things off your to-do list. Yeah. You reflect later with your wife, with your kids, sure. with your friends, with your family, right? Yeah. And, and uh, so, so, you know, all in about 45 seconds, we've got three different podcasts we need to do. But, <laughs> but why didn't you think you were already making a difference? Why did it take the experience with, you know, orphanage? And listen, I've got an answer for that, but I want to hear, because yeah. I, on some level, TJ, I think, I mean, we all are already making a difference, and some of us just need to recognize it. Do, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, I think it can. Yeah. I think it can make sense. I think, you know, there's a couple ways I could look at coming at that question for me. Um, part of it, I think, is... Uh, uh, a realization for me at that moment in time that, you know what, for me walking through this world, I need to try and leave it a little better off than I found it. I want my interactions with people in the world to be more positive because I went through there. And, you know, honestly, I don't know for everybody else, but before that time, sure, I'd hoped I was a good guy in doing that, but there wasn't an intentionality about that, which has shifted. Right? Am I perfect at that? Do I make mistakes? Am I a, 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 a doofus sometimes? Sure, of course I am, right? None of us is perfect. But I very much, you know, and grown over time, want to be intentional about trying to do positive things and leave a positive legacy, whether that's with my kids, whether that's working with World Vision in an international context, or in my interactions everyday life. And I think that's the point you're getting at is that every day, every moment, we all have these opportunities to be being this positive or negative influence and, and impact on others. And hands we shake, the way we run meetings, yep. the, 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 the eye contact that we make, how we treat people at the red lights, How we drive et cetera, on the 401. Et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, I, I gotta tell you, I'm gonna, I hope I'm gonna look back and say, you know, uh, this was one of the drums I was hammering, because I think I'm hammering a few personally, yeah. but this little things make a big difference, this mm. idea of meaning in the most apparently ordinary things, but really, yeah. on reflection, they're extraordinary, right? Yeah, and, and it's interesting because I think, you know, and again, you know, I, I, I try my best, right? Mm -hmm. But I get frustrated, I mm -hmm. sure. make mistakes like anybody, yeah. but yeah. one of these <laughs> kind of ideas and, and maybe this jumps to another point of conversation, I don't know, but that I've had is this idea of divine appointments. Hmm. So this concept that um, there are moments, uh, every day probably, but there are moments in our lives and, 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 and all the time where I feel like, it's like almost like God wants to come in or something greater than ourselves wants to come in and it might want to you know, touch us in a unique way or it, it may be that we're meant to do something in a unique way to impact other people. And those can be big or small, but unless we sort of foster an awareness and a spirit of being present, of engaging with the other, of being open, we miss those moments like all the time. All the time, all the time, I think, yeah. No, I think, I think life is an act of recognition. <laughs> How's yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, there you go. That's like, good. Honestly, I mean, and listen, I'm, all my fingers are pointing at me. My wife sure. Elizabeth would be laughing right now yeah, sure. because I'm not the most momentous guy in the world. Right. I'm always about, you know, kind of, I see that every time I say this or think about it, I see the scene with Yoda in The Empire Strikes Back okay. and talking to Luke about, you know, never thinking about where he was or what he was doing, but always in the future. Right, right, right. Because right. you want, you know. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I mean, most of my life I've taken, you know, the, the wisdom I have is all from Yoda, basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> good, yeah, good. All comes from Yoda. Yeah, speaking of being spiritual. I yes. want to speak like Yoda right now, but I don't know <laughs> how to right. do it. Yes. To come back at you. Yes, you seek Yoda. <laughs> yes. Um, so, right, so, 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 so intentionality. So direction, yeah. choice, focus. I want to leave this place better than I found it. That's right. And then I think the other part of it for me is this openness to... 
something greater than myself going on and, mm. and, and finding a way to be a part of that. So a divine appointment for you is not what it might be uh, for somebody listening. So in other words, I guess what I mean is there's a lot of presu presupposition behind divine appointment. Yeah. It sounds very spiritual. Sounds very kind of right. cathedralish. Right, right, but right. You're saying this could be just yeah. loving a, a child out of an orphanage becomes a divine appointment. Yeah, good, good, good clarification because I think it can sound overly highly spiritual, and yeah. that's not how I necessarily right. mean it. I didn't think so. No, I, I, you know, for me, you know, my kids were dressed as the Hulk and, and Iron mm -hmm. Man, mm -hmm. and and I was dressed as like Clark Kent, Superman at Halloween, mm. and they're seven and five. And I recognize somehow there's not going to be many more Halloweens, which just happen on the weekend, where they're just so cute in this phase and so excited to go knock on doors and, and just it's pretty cool. celebrate this it's pretty holiday. Amazing. And if I'm overthinking things or I'm thinking about my trip to Mozambique next week or I'm trying to get some other work done and I'm not present to just celebrate and enjoy my boys in that moment, I'm missing a divine appointment. Mm -hmm. So good. that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, no, it's, you know, act, active celebration, I think it's. So, so tell me, so, you know, we've talked around sort of this idea and I think lots of insight on, on the whole idea of making a difference. I think it's great. Yeah. Tell me about your, uh, what a parent, your apparent call to Africa, to Zimbabwe, yeah. and, and some of sure. what came out of that for you, and now we're sitting in a boardroom in Mississauga. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, you know, since that experience at the orphanage, yeah. you know, kind of a, a winding road, like yeah, I think it probably is for many, yeah. you know, and yeah, it sure. continues to be, you know, worked with street youth and youth at risk in Eastside Vancouver, and um, went and did grad studies because I felt like international development in that field we were really interested. I had some great opportunity to work with World Vision and so I've then now worked with World Vision for eight and a half years doing a number of different things. About two and a half years ago the opportunity then came working with World Vision to go and work with our office in Zimbabwe to um, support them with raising funds from big institutional donors like uh, national governments like the UN, the Global Fund, um, you know, the UK government, the US, USAID, all those kind of donors. And so this was a, sort of a neat opportunity to go <laughs> work with that office, but also a, a, a challenging question of do we do it, do we go? My wife's got a good career here as a teacher. My kids are in a good place with school. We've got our house. And so it wasn't sort of an easy decision, but ultimately we decided, okay, let's sort of step out in faith and, 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 and take a shot and, and try this. So that was about two and a half years ago where... Um, we uh, were to move to Zimbabwe and go work with that office. And, you know, it's interesting, uh, in many ways a great experience, in other ways a really challenging one. It didn't um, work out exactly how we had expected it to. Uh, but yeah, and, that's, and that's something I definitely want to talk about as well, this idea of unexpected outcomes. You know, yeah, work and sure. development happens all the time. You know, Kilimanjaro is for you maybe an unexpected outcome in, yeah. in your, you know, this winding journey, you know, that you've, that's right. you've been on. So, so Zimbabwe, so how long were you there for? We ended up being there for a year. year. And it was meant to be two or more, but yeah, cut short. And some craziness around it too. Yeah, right? even from the start, you know, we, uh, so we, we're committed to go, the office is going to have us there, I go for six weeks. And right from the start we had some challenges. So. To, in order to go and be there for two years, I needed to get a work permit, which shouldn't have been a challenge, but unfortunately, when I was going in 2013, there was elections taking place. Now, elections, I say with uh, air quotation marks, mm -hmm. because Robert Mugabe's been in power since 1980, 84, and, and uh, you know. Aren't these the guys who had the trillion dollar bill? Yes, they yeah. had the trillion dollar bill. Yeah. So Mugabe's nice. I've got like, a picture of that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I have one. I have one. I bought it for <laughs> And it's worth 12 and 50 cents. cents or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. So he he essentially ruined the country, you know, and mm -hmm. just holding on to power. It didn't come in that way, but that's how it is. A trillion dollar bill. Yeah, hyperinflation. Me up, man. So he he's he's holding elections, but yep. not really elections. And so he doesn't want foreign journalists or foreigners coming in the country. My work permit application goes in at the same time, right. and they throw out all Everything. the work yeah, permits. you just get shut down. And so I, we're, we rented at our house. We're planning to go at the end of August, and all of a sudden, we don't have a work permit, so we can go on like a one-month visa. And it's this big question mark, do we even go? And so we're trying to wrestle through this. We end up like 
packing up our Honda Fit with all of our rest of our stuff and driving across the country from you know, Toronto to Vancouver to stay with my parents for a month while I'm working out of their basement. Because we're trying to figure out what to do. And then we end up moving to Zimbabwe and, you know, as I say, in many ways, a great experiences and other ways, so challenging because every month I have to leave the country. I'm on this short-term work visa. My wife and kids are able to stay for three months at a time, thankfully. But there's no guarantees when I go from Zimbabwe to Johannesburg in South Africa or to Mozambique or to Botswana and then come back the next day that they're going to let me back in the country. So it was such a stressful, difficult time for us. <coughs> and it Excuse really me. sort of hit rock bottom around five or six months in. We had these really crazy experiences happen to us, you know. So the first one is uh, we're going on a visa run from Harare in Zimbabwe to Johannesburg in South Africa. Simple one and a half hour flight, kind of like going from Toronto to Montreal. South African Airlines, good airline, shouldn't be an issue. There with my wife and kids, about halfway through the flight, the pilot comes on and says, everybody buckle in, there's a huge storm coming over Johannesburg. And as we're approaching the city, these big dark thunderclouds come rolling in and the plane enters into this storm and the plane's starting to shake and rock and turbulence. And I've been on you know, hundreds of flights. So I'm not too nervous at this stage, but my wife's a nervous flyer already. Mm -hmm. My two kids are in the middle. They're you know, six and four at this stage. They have no idea. Which yeah, is of course. Just as well. It's a rocky roller coaster ride. So we, we go to land and the plane breaks through the clouds, which are really low to the ground. And you can't see the runway or the airport or anything. And as it's about to land, it pulls back up. And the pilot comes on the intercom. Is this landing in, in in Johannesburg, South Africa? Keep going, because I had an almost identical experience. Okay, but it sounds like yours might have been worse. Maybe. So, so, so the pilot comes on and says, "Listen, sorry, everybody, we missed the runway. You know, that's not what you want to hear. Your pilot. It's not what saying. you want to hear. No. So we're gonna go around and come back. And so now everybody's like, "Whoa, whoa!" My kids, you know, my cute little four-year-old's like, "Dad, Dad, we're taking off again. We're taking off again." Like a minute of levity, right? And so, same thing, but this time the second landing is like way worse, like the plane's really rocking now, people are really starting to freak out. Breaks through the clouds, you can sort of see the runway, pulls up again. Ooh, yeah, okay. He yeah, says, it's worse than my story. He says... I thought mine was bad. Okay, well this, I, you know, this was one I hope don't, I don't have to experience again. Yeah, yeah. But the pilot comes on and says, so we were coming in too fast, you know, we've got to try again. So third time around now, by this point, like people are losing it now, freaking out, right? And, and, you know, I don't know if you're allowed to swear on your podcast or not, but... You are. Okay, well, so the pilot comes on and, and or the guy behind us is saying, holy crap, oh my gosh, oh shit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, God bless my four-year-old, again, he has no idea, he's like, dad, dad, some guy just said, oh shit. And so everybody <laughs> lasts for like yep. a few minutes, yep. Good. well, 30 seconds. Good. Third attempt, again, pulls back up. Wow. So okay. fourth attempt this is to troubling. land. Yeah, disturbing. And now people are praying. Some people are freaking out. Fourth attempt to plane. People are praying who don't even have a god to pray to. That's that would true. Be my guess. Yeah, you'd be yep. yeah, and yep. people are doing other stuff. Like. Yeah. And so the fourth attempt, the plane breaks through the clouds, hits the runway, skids to a stop. You know, the flight attendants are like freaked out. You know, the uh, pilot comes on and says, "Listen, everybody. You know, if you were worried, you had reason to be." In 30 plus years of flying, I've never had an experience like that, but we made it. You're okay. Wow. And uh, yeah, that's pretty crazy. That shook us up, you know? Yeah, like, no that kidding. was a crazy experience. A month later, you know, and this is in the midst of these monthly visa runs and the rest. A month later, it's Christmas. We're driving from uh, Harare to Victoria Falls for holidays with my family. 10 hour drive, African countryside, very pretty. We have a great time at Vic Falls. We're coming back on this African highway, and uh, roads are bad in Africa. I mean, that's fairly well known. We hit this really bad pothole, and the car tire explodes. Lose control of the car, skids over this big ditch, car flips sideways, hit a tree. The car's totaled. We're upside down, and, and my kids are crying and screaming in the back. Everybody's sort of freaked out. And... Um, you know, it was an absolute miracle, David, that nobody was seriously hurt. But these people had to stop and help us sort of out of the roof of the car, because that's where the mm -hmm. uh, doors are now. And they take my wife and kids back to Victoria Falls, 45 minutes down the road. And I'm sitting on the side of the African bush with this car, waiting for a tow truck or police or something, which never came. And I'm asking myself the question, like, what the hell am I doing here? Mm -hmm. 
Why did I bring my family here? And, and you know, I did it because I wanted to make a difference. I did it because I felt called to come. But then I'm thinking, you know, I've put my family at risk. And, and really, you know, I had lost faith in myself mm. at that moment. And so that was a real crisis of faith for me and a challenge. What, you know, what is it, um, you know, I mean, there's so many metaphors there. Yeah. And it's, you know, everyone's rejoicing that you're okay and sure. so on and your family, I'm sure. But what does it tell you? I mean, obviously it led to you, probably maybe might have been the beginning of you leaving, let's say. I don't yeah. know. Or certainly something you thought about uh, when, when you were getting on the plane to come home, I would imagine, uh, and, and, and much before. But what does it tell you about development? What does it tell you about making a difference? What does it tell you about change and about that day-to-day you know, ordinariness or extraordinariness. I mean, I, I think there's a lot going on there, that's for sure. There is, there is. And I, I definitely want to make sure, um, and I answer, answer the question for sure, but I definitely want to make sure I uh, not just spin it, but tell the positive ending to yeah, this whole yeah, story. Yeah, sure. So we'll get there. But, I mean, in terms of um, of that part of it, you know, you know, life is messy and complicated. And development and and trying to make a difference is messy and complicated, I think. You know, I don't think any of this stuff is as simple and as straightforward and as black and white as we want it to be. Um, But I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we recognize that that's how the world is. And, you know, it doesn't mean, I don't think, that we don't pick ourselves up, we don't um, try our best to still, you know, do whatever we can, what's put before us. Um, What's the Michael Caine line in Batman to go superhero on you when he yeah. falls down the shaft? Right, right, right. Your job is to get back up again or something That's along right. that Yeah, line. something along but those lines. But it's a great moment. Yes, it's such yeah. a great moment in the film and the music. And, and I think that's it. No, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you know, and, and I wish I could say in some sort of superhero way that's how I felt. Right, right. But that's not how I felt. <laughs> you know, right. that's a movie yeah. one. But, but through a longer process, you know, for me it was sort of a daily struggle and a daily walk and a daily journey of faith. You know, Psalm 23, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, felt like that was my experience of that Mm -hmm. somehow to this stage, you know, trying to figure that out. Um, But it's interesting, you know, because we had some of the highest of highs and lowest of lows that we had in in that experience. And, you know, I know you spent a lot of time overseas and I'm sure you've experienced it, some of the highest, mm-hmm. most amazing moments of your life mm-hmm. and some of the probably most depressing and saddest, mm-hmm. you know, where life is more at the margins, where life um, is more extreme, you know. Here, you know, Western society, and I'm not saying this in a disrespectful way, dissing Western society, but we really try and create this space and life for ourselves that's comfy and comfortable and that's like almost the goal, right? Um, I feel like there's a, some sort of falseness with that. Like we're, mm. we're, we're can, if we're too much about that, we can miss out on, you know, some of the depth and interesting things in life. Um, and so ultimately, yeah, we did have to leave Zimbabwe. We did have to make that decision. But I, I really feel like, you know, my Christian perspective and stuff, but I feel like God really blessed me before doing so mm-hmm. to have a different framing and view of my time there mm-hmm. and what we were doing there. And, you know, one quick story I could get to, but... Yeah, no, go. Well, so, you know, I had thought I was there to go and kick off my career, make a big difference, win multi-million dollar grants, and for World Vision, for good impact, and hey, for me too, you know, Mm -hmm. that would be great, right? CV. Yeah, sure. But that's not exactly how it went, as you're getting the sense, right? But, you know, it was interesting. We did some good stuff. There was some good work that happened. But, you know, one experience in particular kind of really pinpointed for me what it was about. And so it had nothing to do with all that stuff. We lived in a, a reasonably nice house, given the context there, but we had gated walls, security guards at night, and uh, um, you know, safety was a challenge at times. So you'd have people always buzzing on your door, because people were poor in, in, mm-hmm. in Zimbabwe, like the, 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 the economy and everything's collapsed. So even in Harare, which used to be this nice city, you've got a lot of unfortunately homeless and mm-hmm. poor people. Mm-hmm. So people would always knock on your door asking for work or help or money or food. And uh, you have to be careful about that just to be safe and stuff, but you'd always try and help where you could. Well, anyway, there's this one family, this gets back to the divine appointments idea, that would come. There's a mother, her name was Tembili, she was 33 or so. And she had three, three kids, uh, a, a young 
late daughter who was um, 11, uh, a young girl who was five, same age as my youngest, younger son now, and a baby. She was HIV positive. Um, the, the middle daughter was not, but the oldest daughter and the son were, and her husband had left her and ran off to South Africa. And this story had come over Turns multiple... Turns out he was the pilot on that flight. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bastard. But, uh... <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's not what happened. That's your movie script. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, it's one of these ones where, um... This, this, I got to know this story over multiple visits. So mm -hmm. they would come one time. We gave them some snacks. They came again. We sat and chatted. And so it got to know them. Mm -hmm. Over time, you know, this woman really came to rely on us and, 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 and visit us all the time and, you know, got to know our kids. At the end of it, we're leaving Zimbabwe. We have made the decision we have to go. There's a couple months, there's a month left. And she comes and she'd been staying in some place. Not very well, but at least she had some place to stay. She comes to the gate and says, I've been kicked out of where we're staying. I have nowhere to stay. We're in trouble. Like, we're going to be on the street, me and these three kids. I'm looking at these kids, and I'm seeing my kids, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, like, we're leaving in a month. Like, if I was still going to be here, I could get you a job or get you sorted. World Vision's not working in Harare. I can't link you anything there. So I don't even know what to do with this lady. And sadly, David, I was like, at this point, I was just like, part of me wanted to just be like, ugh. I can't help you, like, I want this problem to go away. Sure, yeah. So I would never usually do it this way, because I always try and help out longer term, but I gave her a good chunk of money, and I said, look, I hope you can go back to the village. I hope you can use this and just kind of find some stability or something. I knew it wasn't really going to help in the long run, but I just wanted the problem to go away. Two weeks later, she came back. And in that time, my wife and I had been praying about it. And, and she, she said, we've got to try and find a way to help this lady. And I felt like it was one of these divine appointment things where, like, Almost like God was putting this lady in front of me and saying, don't you dare look away. I want you to do something. So this lady comes, and I, I had to figure out with two weeks left, what can I do to help her? And uh, sort of long story shorter, kind of get connected with other people who are doing some good work in Harare. Finally find this woman who's sort of started this small local organization that's helping vulnerable women to sort of raise an income and help with kids' nutrition. We go to meet her. And she's willing to help Tambili start up a small little enterprise, buying little goods and selling them. So anyway, Tambili's feeling okay about this, and they're going to do it. And I felt, okay, you know, I've done what I can. I I've sort of contributed, and I've tried to make a difference in some small way. Anyway, the day we're leaving Zimbabwe, I feel like God really blessed me because we're leaving such mixed feelings because of the, the terms and everything. And I never thought I'd see this lady again. As we're leaving, and this lady had always sort of had this sort of impoverished, kind of downcast, almost like characterization of it, I hate to say, but kind of handout mentality mm -hmm, kind mm -hmm, of approach. Mm -hmm. And she shows up at the gate, and she's got this big smile on her face, big time I've ever, first time I've really seen it. Right. And a total countenance has changed, you know? She's carrying herself with pride, and she's got this big bag of goods, her first bag of goods that she's bought to sell. And so she comes and says, you know, um, She's not really sure how to react. She says, can I, can I get some money, you know, or something? I said, no, but I'll, I'll buy some of your stuff from you, you know? So I buy these little snacks. Not very good, actually, but bought some snacks and shared them around. And, um, you know, we had a great conversation. And she said, can you pray for me? I pray for, you know, whatever that does. And, you know, it's funny because I left Zimbabwe that afternoon with my family. And I realized, David, you know, in that interaction... My time in Zimbabwe wasn't about me. And I think when we're thinking about making difference in, in the world, we need to realize it's not about us. And I think we, you know, that's sort of a unique experience mm -hmm. and example, mm -hmm. but, you know, we all have these sort of opportunities and ways where sometimes people are put in front of us or situations are put in front of us and we can either sort of look the other way and wish it was someone else's problem or maybe we find a way to respond. Which is why, you know, so one of the themes in this for me is superheroes. So yesterday mm. my son and I watched uh, The Winter Soldier together. He's yeah. 10 and I'm so loving and I hope Victoria picks up on it as well. Yeah. I don't want him to sound divisive and sexist and all of that. Uh, but, but um, No, I like superhero stuff. It's fun yeah, to watch yeah, with the kids. He, yeah. And so Captain America is great. I got some yeah. issues with the ideology behind sure, it. Sure, sure, Which sure. we can save for another podcast. Yeah. But uh, so the line is they go back and 
the, the evil guy from the, the last film, uh, everyone would recognize. Red from Skull or Red something? Red Skull or something yeah. says, who, who do you think, you know, what are you special? And he says, no, I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. And so you hear that my son pauses it. Yeah. And he says, that is my favorite superhero line. And I just so love that he's resonating on all these levels with, with, with the ethics of what it means to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, re and, and, and it's, it's a recognition, we talked about that, and it's ordinariness and, and seeing it as extraordinary. But I think there's this sense which it's not about us, and I think that is ultimately what the message of a superhero is supposed to be. Right. right? They're doing things for the greater good and yeah, so yeah, on. Yeah. And then you got your more egomaniacal ones like <laughs> Iron Man. And sure, sure. That are fun in other ways, yeah. But, but, but ultimately, isn't that really what it's about? And, and it's this ethic, and it's this, this, this sense of, I don't know, goodness coming up from somewhere else, right? Anyway, um, you know, not, mm. to, not to over... Uh, um, you know, uh, analyze it, I suppose, from a, from a Marvel perspective. Yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> You're getting deep on me here. You're getting deep. <laughs> but honestly, there were some great moments yesterday, and there is over, the overarching theme of any great story, I yeah. think, is, is uh, you know, hopefully showing paradox, complexity, and contradiction, because that's the way life is. Yeah. But also, it's worth trying. Yeah. It's yeah. worth trying to make this world a better place. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And I think, you know, um, I think the, the analogy is an interesting one because I think, you know, one of the things that really encourages me is I feel like younger people today, the younger generation, I've done a lot of work with youth and young people, some great young people. Like, I think they get that idea. Mm -hmm. I think they get that concept. That yeah, I think so too. The world you know, whether it's the environment, whether it's global issues or otherwise, um, there's more that we can be about and there's yeah, more that TJ, we can I, do. I think we all get it. Yeah. I just think some of us, uh, A, recognize it or are willing to admit that it's there. I think it, there is a burning light yeah. within all of us and yeah. some of us have just figured out a way to, 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 to either ignore it or to move beyond it. Yeah, and, and you know, I think the other piece of it is, uh, you know, at least from my experience, and, and I say this, you know, as an encouragement for anybody on that journey or anybody thinking about it or whatever. But also a realism is that, you know, my Zimbabwe experience as a metaphor, and I know you know this too, like making those choices and decisions to say, this is what I wanted my life to be about, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one of the most profound best things I've ever done. Mm -hmm. But it's also a difficult journey. Yeah, yeah. It's not an easy one at no, times. Sure. And it isn't, you know, it is, that's where unfortunately, like, you get these great superhero moments in the movies. Um, life's tough, you know. Yeah. Like when I'm on well, the side of that road, like I'm feeling pretty beat down. Well, look you know? at look at development too. I mean, you got a lot of people who walk away from it. You've got divorce rates pretty high. Yeah. You've got a lot of burnout, frustration, etc. And I mean, you can say that about any field. Sure. Really. I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, doctors who are burning yeah. out and yeah. so on. Any of the those that, that that type of sort of the the helping professions, yeah. if you will. Yeah. But um. So, so we got to wrap up pretty sure. soon, sadly. But two two things. So I, I'd like to talk about real real quickly, which is really not fair at all. No, that's but fine. you know, you talked about there being a truth in spiritual things, and how you mm. sort of gave up on 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 your faith at an early age. You you felt kind of maybe commandeered by your parents, I suppose. Priests called in. Um, I'm walking away. But then you, you religion courses. You've traveled a ton, but yet you wind back sort of in this world of Christianity. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about how that happened? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so, I want to end with this idea around unexpected outcomes. Okay. And to me, when I hear what your story, that to me is an unexpected outcome. Well, it was an unexpected outcome to me, David. I mean, I... I why, not, why not Buddha, TJ? Yeah. You know good, what I mean? Yeah, good question. I mean, and, uh, you know, in terms of other religions and other faiths, why not for me? I don't really have an answer in that I'm not going to sit here and say one over the other, right? I look at it sort of from my personal humble perspective and say the truth found me and then I, I just need to figure out what it was. Honestly, I had no spiritual, I had this spiritual experience where I just feel like God touched my life. Um, and it just opened me up to realize that there was a spiritual world and there was more to it. And I, you know, to my credit, I suppose, I was determined to find out what that was. Mm. That path for me led to faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, I, um, 
that was people, that was experiences, you know, scripture and intellectual thinking. If I had grown up in India or Pakistan or, or you know, somewhere else and, and genuinely saw it, might that have led to somewhere else? I don't know, maybe. You know, I, I'm not one to judge or say on those things, but for me, that's where it led. And, you know, the thing for me that's been profound and helpful about that, and I know the truth in it for me, is it's changed my life, mm-hmm. changed my mm-hmm. outlook. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about spiritual things or what it's about or where it's meant to head for me, um, you know, I, at least I have a clear direction and source and guidance of, mm-hmm. of where to go with that. So that, that's been the driving motivation and force for whatever I've done and whatever I hope to do in my life externally in terms of sort of the work I've been involved with, but internally in terms of changes and transformations in my heart. And, you know, I, it sounds almost like trite or, or like anybody say these things, but... In our, in our culture, I think, TJ, it's hard to not sound trite talking about these things because it's been parodied so much yeah and that's my that's my my fear of it but new atheism you've got so many people saying it's about spiritual things and to be specific is almost to be seen as being divisive or something you know yeah it's 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 a tough place to be well it can be i mean i i I, I was gonna say it almost sounds trite to say what i'm gonna Mm -hmm. say but it's the god's honest truth i don't know how to describe it is my heart my life has been transformed mm-hmm. by my faith. Mm-hmm. I'm a better man, I'm a better father, I'm a better husband, I'm a better person in society. Am I perfect? Of course I'm not. But I'm far, far better than I would have been and I'm determined to continue on that path, you know? So, so in a sense, what's the downside? <laughs> yeah, right? and I'm not, it, right. and, I, and you know, I'm not, yeah. my thing has always been this with the faith stuff, you know, and I don't know where we get here, but I, you know, because I talk to a lot of young people and I talk to other people about these things and, you know, one of the scriptures I love is when Jesus says, you know, if you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. And if you ask, the answer will be given. This comes from a guy who left the Catholic faith, left the church, and said, I'm going to find the truth. And mm-hmm. I truly believe if people search with an open and honest heart, mm-hmm. they'll find what they're looking for, mm-hmm. whatever that mm-hmm. is. So, sadly, we're going to wrap it up. Tell me about... As quickly as you can. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, you got, you got, you got time. But so, uh, unexpected outcomes in development. You have this plan. It gets completely thwarted by yeah. a plane crash and a car yeah. crash and all these crazy visa things, etc. Yeah. You end up on a, a new route. That's, you know, you look back and you start to understand. That's not time wasted necessarily, but it sure probably seemed like it. Development workers, you know, you're looking at your log frames and your causal yeah, chains yeah. and your connections and your reports and your donor, in, you know, indicators for your donors, et cetera, and you go, holy smokes, are we actually, to come full circle, are we actually making a difference or are we causing more harm, you know, yeah. than good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and, but, but what, one of the things that I personally find really exciting about all this work is the unexpected outcomes. Yeah. The stuff that you didn't account for. That's right. That we don't know how to measure. Yeah. That that DFAT D, the government of Canada is not frankly that interested in, and I hope they're going to become more interested in because of guys like you and I, sure. and because of organizations like MSF and World Vision and UNICEF and so on, saying, guys, hang on a second here, there's some other stuff going on here, way more going on than meets the eye. Yeah. It's not just about what we got on paper here, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. The realization that you, how do you measure the realization that you had in Taiwan that changed your life? Yeah. Right? Yeah. With working with these young You don't. You can't. You can't. That. No. Right? So, yeah. Wrap, wrap it up for us. Sure. Here, yeah, I will, David. Thank you. Another softball. Deal, no, deal, no. <laughs> deal with this complexity and this contradiction. Yeah. You know, I'll say this, I think, uh, uh, from my personal experience and based on my story, one of the lessons Zimbabwe taught me, one of the lessons I'm learning. Um, and this comes back to me to the faith thing and walking in this world, but walking in this work and walking in this, how do I make a difference? If I think of a car metaphor, I've gripped that wheel pretty hard and tried to set my course. And one of the things these experiences unexpectedly taught me was to hold that wheel loosely and, and you know, to really let God have a hand in steering where I'm going. And, you know, as I've done that, and not to take responsibility of myself, but as I've done that, and, and learn to trust more, learn to walk in faith more. You see, you know, things have worked out far better than I expected. Things have worked out in, in really good ways. And I feel like, you know, for me, it was a journey of faith, all of those things, and learning to walk more and trust more in faith. 
doesn't mean everything's going to work out necessarily, but suddenly things have made a lot more sense and I feel like I'm much more open to whether it's those divine appointments, I'm much more open to you know, making a difference or being involved in ways that maybe I couldn't have foreseen beforehand, but I'm willing and open to respond to. And, uh, you know, I think if we can all foster that kind of openness and spirit, you know, there's opportunities for all of us, whether it's playing with our kids in the backyard or, you know, helping somebody out locally or getting involved in some kind of international issue or, or project. TJ Grant, he's the Regional Program Manager for Southern Africa. He works at World Vision. He teaches at Humber College, which we didn't even talk about That's at all. That's true, yeah. Uh, pretty eclectic, interesting guy. Lots to say. Thanks for joining us uh, today, TJ. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, David. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.